Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Rock Podcast. And I am joined once again by Joey Haney. Joey, I don't even know how we're numbering these. This is like the third RSS feed attached to the Talking Rock Podcast. So since the third relaunch of the podcast, what episode are we up to now? Do you know? Uh, I think this is going to be like eight or nine. I don't have it in front of me, but that, it's about that. We're not quite into the double digits on the relaunch yet, but get cool. there. Right on. And, you know, I still have trouble finding it on iTunes if I search Talking Rock. But you, once if, if I search like Talking Rock CNJ or something, it'll come up, right? Yeah, that that works. And I think just because, you know, of the words itself, Talking and Rock, because there's a lot of shows that have different configurations of that in there but also if you search talking rock with uh, mark and joey uh, or just talking rock mark joey those will come up so those are a couple of different ways to go about it as well cool so if you're listening to this off of one of our websites and you don't subscribe to it on itunes go in there do a search as joey just suggested and we would love it if you subscribe and leave a, a review hopefully it's a good review uh, or five-star uh, rating and all that stuff. So, yeah, so we are Talking Rock, and I've been Talking Rock, by the way, Joey, in these little videos I've been posting on my YouTube page, and some of them are doing quite well. Um, I, I did as an April Fool's joke, and the only thing about it was the title, which said, Michael Anthony is back in Van Halen, or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, uh, and then that. within the first 15 seconds, I think I revealed that this is an April Fool's joke. He's not in Van Halen. Um, right. And he had mentioned that he that that wasn't happening. So um, I got a, I got like 10,000 views on that. And I think it's all yeah. because it was the title was kind of like fake news. Yeah. Good old clickbait. And that's uh, people do that on regular days, not just April Fool's. So. I appreciate that you uh, kept it classic and, and went strictly on April 1st. Some people just do that every day for their website to get themselves over. So good good on you. The thing I w- will say about YouTube is the the comments uh, are far more brutal than anything I've ever witnessed before, like on uh, on Facebook or or tw- or even Twitter where it does get nasty sometimes or Instagram I, I I like I rarely get any negative feedback on Instagram or or Facebook occasionally on on Twitter but man they they are they are brutal those those YouTubers uh and I I'm not exactly sure why but but anyways I'm enjoying that and any thoughts on Van Halen because since I posted that video Michael Anthony has basically gone to say on gone on to say a little more. I didn't hear the interview on the Howard Stern show that he gave, but he said something to the effect, according to Blabbermouth, that uh, that in October he was approached by Van Halen, but the things fell apart on their end. And I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, he's, you know, being very classy about it, as he always is. Like I said, Michael Anthony is almost too nice for the music industry for sure. Uh, but I think it's the speculation and the rumor that they were going to offer him a special guest slot and not the permanent slot. Like he was going to get the Steven Adler uh, spot if that uh, if anybody gets that reference out there. Yeah, uh, hmm. not going to bring him back full time, but we'll do a handful of big shows and you'll be the special guest for like two or three songs and you're going to sit on the bench the rest of the night. And wow. I would think that even as nice wow. as that so wh- guy where is, where did you you're just speculating or or this has been reported somewhere? 
it's not been reported as official, but that's been the real hot rumor like all year is uh, they had at least come to that sort of agreement. And I thought, man, it's one of those things I, I think they if that's true in any way, they offer that to him because they knew he would take it regardless. And that's just if if any of that is remotely true, that's just really sad because that's what they think of him. I mean, this is one of the great one of the great bass players and role players of all time. You know, as far as just backing like feeling that feeling, backing vocalists, of course, that is where his money is for sure. And you know, you've heard all those things and read all those books at this point about how he made a quarter share and he didn't write anything. And there's even speculation of how much bass he actually even played on those Van Halen records. But I still think Michael Anthony as a personality and as a voice is very irreplaceable. So, And I don't buy I'm, that. I think he played the majority of, of bass on those records. This is me. Sure. And I, I, I believe, though, that he didn't play any bass on the 04, like, three reunion songs that they did with Sammy. But yeah, other than sure. That, but other than that, I mean, I can't imagine, like, <laughs> unless he just really likes being in a band for money and not caring whether or not he gets any kind of credit. But yeah, I I would hope that he had played on all those. But I'm always going to back Michael because he always comes off as a class act, and we all know how insane the Van Halen brothers are, as great as they are. So, yeah, and I will say this about Roth too. He's just as insane. And slight disclaimer here: there are dogs uh, just playing in the background. Nothing I can do with it. I hope that it's not coming through the mic. But, anyways, um, a friend of mine who uh, will go nameless actually worked with David Lee Roth in his radio days uh, when he replaced Howard Stern. Worked very, very closely with him. And I said to this friend of mine, when Roth recently appeared on the Joe Rogan podcast or whatever it is, and said, yeah, oh, the reason I was fired was because they wanted me to play Nickelback and I wanted to play cool in the gang. And my my friend was just like, that is the most craziest thing I've ever heard. We We <laughs> never we never told him what to play. He started going, trying to take the show in a political direction. There was nothing. There was never any discussion about the music he was playing, and he didn't play much music. I mean, there wasn't a lot of music, and and that absolutely had nothing to do with it. And he said, "I'm sorry to say that David Lee Roth is bat shit crazy and has been for a while." And that's that's what that's what he said. And I said, "Batshit crazy," as in just. He said, "No me- mental illness." He said, "He's he's not." Uh, he's not a guy who's all there. And yeah, I thought about that for a little bit and I I I wouldn't be surprised if he's I don't know if if he's not all there cuz you know back in the day he was a little off. Sure. But it was a fun kind of like party off like crazy vibe, but I think, you know, a lot of times as people grow older any like mental illness and mental problems they have even get uh bigger and more out of control and i don't know i i that joe rogan thing i mean he he can he can i watched quite a bit of it and he can really be well spoken but on the other hand there's just there's something there that looks like there's there's a little bit of a light out in 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 that brain of his yeah i as much as i am i'm a huge roth fan and i'm a 
you know, I'm a very consistent observer of his. I listen to every second of the Rogan show and he's, you know, I'm not, I don't want to speculate on what kind of actual medical diagnosis he might be because people have done that to me online without even knowing me. To you? So really? Would, oh shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Especially if I make any kind of, you were talking about YouTube comments earlier. I don't make YouTube comments, but the occasional Facebook ones I do make strange, complete strangers will just speculate on what's wrong with me because I have an opinion about something and right, right. Get, I get bullied. I'm, I'm just not going to spin it any other way than that. But as far as Roth goes, you know, like, I mean, there may be a lot of, there's definitely a lot of savantness in that brain for sure. You know, so I'm not going to speculate on whether he's like ADHD or not. And, uh, so that's up to him to reveal that if he ever wants to, but there's definitely a lot of savantness in his brain. So, it's, you know, like crazy genius type stuff, maybe, you know, so I agree. Definitely. And, and the thing that I've also noticed about Roth and, you know, rock stars do this all the time in interviews, but he has kind of a greatest hits that he always goes to. And especially if you ever watched any of the episodes or heard any episodes of the Ross show in the last few years, that Rogan interview was basically like the greatest hits of the Ross show. Like these are stories I've been hearing him talk about for the last few years now. And he's got these ready-made things just ready to go. And the thing is, like, he's very well-read. He's very much into history. And I've actually learned a lot of things just reading his interviews that I've looked up later on. I'm like, wow, that's actually true. So he's he definitely comes off as well-read and really into history and stuff like that. I've never heard him ever go political so that's a surprise. Well, you didn't thing. listen to his radio show then when he replaced Howard because yeah. he absolutely well, did right wing, uh, very pro Israel rant just over and over again, ooh. which is fine. But wow. you know, he's he's a right winger, and it was huh. it was weird, man. I mean, people just want to hear David Lee Roth talk about the, you know. People want to go to David Lee Roth's party, you know, and that's yeah. not that's not what the radio show became. That's what it was wow. supposed to be. It became, yes, he, uh, you know, a political agenda was 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 there that he he would go into. And again, I knew people who were working on the show with him who were, uh, quote unquote, lefties, you know, so uh, th there was definitely a tension there. The the, the huh. fun party vibe that you wanted that you'd expect that when you go to David Lee Roth's party, it just it wasn't there. It it, it wasn't it was not a, a party atmosphere on the show, which it should have been. Huh. You know, it was it was a it was a weird show, and I listened. I tried to like it, you know, because I didn't sure. want it. I was mad that Howard went to Sirius, and I did not want to subscribe to. Serious. Initially, I wanted to give Roth a chance, and I did because at that time I don't listen to morning radio as much as I used to. But at that time, I was a big morning radio guy and been listening to Howard for for decades, you know. Yeah, and I, I gave, but I loved Roth. At least I thought I did, and I gave him a chance. And wow, it it was a it was a disaster. Yeah. See, I tuned into a few episodes in the initial weeks, but I I did follow Howard to Sirius. So I'm guilty of not having heard a lot of Roth's radio show. But every time I tuned in, like I said, in the first few weeks, it definitely sounded like he was going musical direction. He even had like an in-house guitar player. And there was always music in the background. And Yes, you know, I so, do remember that. Yep. I, so those initial episodes were definitely Roth party. But I, I guess <laughs> obviously he wanted to go in a different direction after the shine wore off. And 
I, uh, as far as the dialogue, you said it a couple of times, and I, I think he's even been at least humble enough to say that he never replaced Howard. He never, he never took that mantle. So um, he never did replace him per se, even though he was in the same time slot. So I at least appreciate him saying that at least whenever someone brings that up. And didn't he fill in for Howard a couple times, like, or, or do a morning radio show? Or I feel I, I felt like he filled in for Howard like years earlier, and that's maybe where the initial idea came for him to replace mm-hmm. Howard. I may be wrong on that. I don't know. No, I think it's just he used to come on and would stay for an hour or two, and he was really good on the show. So I think that's where a lot of that came from initially. And that could have been like from like a guy like a Tom Chiasano or something like that being like, oh, this guy's always good. And we always get a lot of calls when he comes in. And uh, so that, that that could be one of the reasons. Um, I do remember the pre-serious move and they did an April Fool's prank where, uh, speaking of April Fool's, where they had a David Lee Roth impersonator sign on to uh, Howard Stern's show open. And he stuck with it for about 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. And he just trashed Howard and... <laughs> And like right. was really mean to the uh, the phone call people, you know, people calling in, and I thought that was a great episode. Great this was on Sirius or on FM. No, this, when, when it he... was on Terrestrial FM, right. and it was prior to the move, and they were like, "No, Howard already got fired last night, and I'm already the guy." And uh, it's pretty great. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, right? You know, like on the YouTube's of the world. Pretty funny stuff. Good impersonator too. Cool. Yeah, Howard always has good in, impersonators for sure. Let's uh, let's move on to another topic here. Um, what what do you, you had a, a couple things? Uh, I know you wanted to talk about the Woodstock lineup, but you also had some Tom Petty uh, related news. Yeah, this one really made me upset. Uh, you know, as as a fan who takes ownership over certain things, you know, your favorites, you kind of take ownership, but. This thing I felt was just kind of unforgivable. So this concerns the legacy and and what have you about Tom Petty's you know current catalog and how to go about it. And this this happens a lot when icons die. So the family has taken over, you know whatever you want to call it, the business of Tom Petty. And one of the people that's involved with it is Tom Petty's first wife. But and I guess, you know, and then the other thing about it is the other side of it are his two daughters. Uh, And from what I can understand, uh, they actually were supposed to put out a big anniversary edition of one of Tom's biggest albums, Wildflowers from the mid 90s. There was supposed to be like this big anniversary version. Yeah, great record deluxe edition, you know, the full nines. And it's something that a lot of people really want to hear. Uh, not just because they already have this material, but he intended this album as a double album. And Warner's put the kibosh on that. But this is like the first big session he did with Rick Rubin. And even though a lot of these songs wound up later on on the She's the One soundtrack, it was pretty much like one project. So the fans have really been wanting to hear what the full thought of this was, and, and me included. Uh, so... I found this article recently and it's been reported as such and you can, and there's plenty of social media postings to back up the, these facts is that his daughter, especially I guess his oldest daughter is um, pretty much ceasing the production and moving forward with this project. And she's really pissing me off because she's basically playing the victim here. And she's on this like big quote unquote crusade to like, you know, keep uh, integrity and her dad's legacy and all this other stuff. 
and she's this even is like Adrian a- Adrian Petty. Yeah, yeah, and the the thing is, she's always like hashtag no vultures, and like you know, I've used the vulture statement before when it comes to dead artists, but and so it's just it sounds like and and pardon the pun, it sounds like a lot of pettiness on her part because it's just her maybe possibly being angry at, um, you know, the first wife or what have you. I don't even know if that's her mom. I don't get into family stuff. Like I don't know who was who to whom, but she's fighting, uh, Petty's first wife on, on this release. And all she wants to do is put it out. Now here's the deal. Uh, Tom already had agreed to do this project, go forward with it. He wanted it to come out. So I don't understand the resistance here other than just to get attention and play the victim. It's as simple as that. Long story short. Right. Uh, and I really hate to see that shit because now it just looks, it appears to me and a lot of other people that she's just trying to get famous. Uh, and this is her crusade. This is her hill. She's going to die on and martyr herself or something. And it just really makes me mad because this isn't anything. It's not like some sort of release that he put in the vault that he was embarrassed about. And now it's going to come out because he's dead. No, he was all in, he was doing this project. And the only reason it didn't come out in a timely manner is because he passed away. Hmm. So what the fuck is that? Like, right. You know, you're not going to honor your dad's wishes. You're just going to be an asshole about it. And that's exactly all I'm seeing here. It's a spoiled brat playing victim on social media, looking for sympathy. And, you know, I've seen a lot of these dead artist siblings online. You know, they're kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. But she's really being a jerk, man. I just want to right. call her out. Honestly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know. I, I I may have mentioned this before that I did work briefly with, with her at VH1, which I can recap now, uh, Adrian Petty. Um, the the thing is, listen, these, these, these first wife blended families, you know, divorces, uh, it's always ugly. Not always, but a lot of the time it's ugly and there's a lot of ill will and hurt feelings and stuff that goes way, way back and... and that that can factor into things and I get it, but I, I will, I, I will say one thing and, and listen, I don't think a lot of people listen to this show, so I'll, I'll say this, but yes, she's, she was like, when I worked with her at VH1, dude, she was such a freaking little spoiled brat. I could not fucking believe it. It was just like, everything was a fucking drama and issue. And I worked with her for just, a, it probably was less than a month it felt like it went on forever, and it was like the Monterey Pop thing. She was eventually removed off the project or quit the project. and I mean, she was at VH1 so briefly, but her dad had gotten her a job there, and, and she came in. She was acting like she was running the place but had no idea, like – what the difference between a three quarter tape is and a beta max or a beta SP tape was at the time. It was just like, and, and didn't want to learn anything and knew and thought she knew everything. And I'd never ever. And there were a lot of spoiled brats at MTV and VH one, you know, in their twenties working at that time. Some people may have said I was one of them, but I, I, I just got such a negative, horrible vibe from her. And I, I know I did read some article at some point 
where she had gone on to do documentaries and produced a Paris Hilton documentary or something Ooh. like that. Yeah, exactly. But it's just like it it really, you know, that leads to a bigger discussion that so much of especially in the entertainment business, but not only there. I just think in life in general, it's all about who you know. And sometimes your dad or your family may be connected and they they will help your career and flourish your career. And life is not fair, man. And I mean, it's like the only thing I can say to people out there, because I've gotten, I'll be honest, I've gotten to a place in my life where I'm a little older now and my career isn't what it used to be. I'm trying to kind of figure out what the fuck is my next step here? And one thing I've realized, and it's something that I've let go since I've been having kids, it's all about who you know and connections and maintaining relationships. And I, I haven't been very good at that these past 10 years. And I, I really, anyone out there, life is not fair and you need to maintain these relationships and connections and friendships to get ahead in life because even if you are the most qualified person for a job somebody who's has knows somebody or somebody whose dad knows somebody and or has influence you they will get the job before you even if you are more qualified now whether they stay in the job and 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 you know if they don't work hard and and they're not doing the work they might not last in the job but maybe they will work hard and last in the job. But the only, I mean, it's just opportunity is is given to the privilege, uh, definitely before it's given to to other people. And that's why I don't know. I'm just going off here. That's why it's just so important. It's all about who you know. So think twice before you burn the bridge. Th- think, you know. And if if there's oh, I should reach out and just say hi to somebody. Yeah, do it, do it. Because in the end. Mm-hmm those it's it's all about who you know man it really is it really is yeah and just to correct something that i said earlier um the the daughters of tom petty are fighting tom petty's uh his widow basically his most recent wife okay but that they makes had sense been married they had been married for like 20 years so it's not like this is some sort of like you know new wife from the last few years of his life fly by night kind of thing you know and, you know, obviously his first wife left him for a reason. It's now been documented that he had a really bad drug problem at that time during his first divorce. But basically now uh, Petty's latest wife, her name uh, was uh, Dana, I'm seeing here. It says that she has thrown her hands up in the air and she has now uh, filed court documents basically asking for uh, somebody to manage this thing and be a mediator between the two parties because they can't even see eye to eye on anything at this point. So they're doing exactly the opposite, (laughs) especially his daughters are doing the exact opposite of what uh, I'm sure what their dad would have wanted. I mean, it's just crap. And uh, so, yeah, that's all I'm, I'm I'm rambling too here, but I, I just, uh, I just hate to see shit like this. I can't believe it seems like the Prince estate has their shit together way more <laughs> than the Tom Petty one, which who would have thought? <laughs> right. Well, I uh, will say, you like, know, Tom Petty back in the 90s, he was also doing this thing for VH1 where he'd videotape himself and send it in. And he was so freaking drugged out. And, and he kept 
making reference to the fact that it was weed, but now it turns out that it was probably heroin because he revealed yeah. in his book that it was heroin. And and then so my opinion of him changed when I used to see this uh, unedited footage of, of of his when I was working at VH1 and and uh, you know after then the experience with which was a miserable experience work, working briefly with his daughter um i i don't know yeah. it, it really soured me to tom petty unfortunately because i loved that wildflowers record and i i really i, I was more of a casual fan but i i bought those sure. i bought that record and what was the one after that it had like a yellow cover i think it was like for a, a movie soundtrack or something yeah. i bought those i bought those two back in the day you know. Yeah, that was the uh, that was the she's the one soundtrack, which is the stuff that came out of that session as well. And I think that's actually some of his most underrated material. It's just attached right. to a bad movie soundtrack, so it's uh, it's unfortunate on that end. But that's another reason why this release, you know, the Wildflowers Vault release should come out because it'll shine new light on these otherwise great songs that didn't really get the proper attention the first time around. So. Right, and you right. know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that people just haven't heard that's supposed to be on this thing, and you know, I just, yeah, just think it's just sad all over. It's something Absolutely. that he wanted out. At the end of the day, once again, he wanted this to come out. So what's the problem here? You know, <laughs> so I don't know. All right. all right, well, let's move on. The Woodstock lineup. Uh, you just told me before we started recording here. It's been announced. I have no clue. Who is on Woodstock? I said I had said the Who, and you said you said no, and I said, well, hold it, and you can <laughs> reveal it to me during the episode. So, who who the hell is on Woodstock? Woodstock fifty, yeah, Woodstock fifty. Uh, this is just another example of uh, what have you, Live Nation, Ticketmaster, Clear Channel, pick one that have just bought and sold this industry a long time ago. And I guess nothing cool is ever going to happen again under these big names because like you could point to all the other Woodstock lineups, in my opinion, and find a handful of really cool things. And I struggled to find three acts over the three days that I would actually pay money to see. It's just like, uh, here's, here's like some of the top headliners for the three different days. Just on the top row, you have Jay Z, Imagine Dragons, Halsey, Cage the Elephant, Dead and Company, Chance the Rapper, Sturgill Simpson, Rackon Tours, Lumineers, Santana, Miley Cyrus, and The Killers. Wow. Is that going to get you to camp out three days in Socrates uh, at this point with, with those prices? Who even knows what the prices are? But. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Jay Z. I mean, Jay Z's big, right? Yeah. So, I, but sure. I, I don't know live. If, but like, what's he pulling more than twenty minutes live? Maybe like you know, you know how modern hip hack, hip hop acts are. They're not doing ninety minute sets. You know, they. I, I just think the spectacle of seeing them is kind of a draw, but. That's Imagine no Dragons way. are huge. They're they're really big. Um, sure. I don't know. I I'm just. I don't know how quality here. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So I don't know, man. It's hard for me to say. It's hard for me to say will it be a success? My my gut reaction is no. If it were in New York City on Roosevelt Island or something, possibly. But Woodstock, you have to remember, 
is in the middle of of nowhere. It's in the Catskills Mountains, so it's it's a good two hour hike at least from New York City. Uh, probably the same from Boston. There's there's not a, a like a lot of people living up in that immediate area, so most of the people who are going to come to something like that, it's going they're going to have to travel and. I don't know, man. Uh, Santana mixed with Jay Z and the Killers, and I don't know. It sounds like it's all over the place. I think they should have went with more traditional bands for it, like like the Stones, or you know, I know the Stones yeah. weren't at Woodstock, but the Who and and stuff like that. Maybe mixed with some some younger rock bands. I, I don't know, man. I, I'll be curious to see how it plays out. So when is this? This is this summer, right? It has to be because yeah, yeah six, August, sixty-nine uh, to two thousand nineteen. Yeah, yeah, August sixteenth, seventeenth, and eighteenth in Watkins Glen, New York. And there are some quote, you know, newer, younger rock bands on there. What town you is know, it? Uh, Watkins. Watkins. Watkins Glen. I, I think I even heard that it's not quite on the site, but it's near the old site, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they got, you know, one of our favorites <laughs> that we talked about before, Greta Van Fleet is on there. Uh, you know, they got Robert Plant and they got John Fogarty, you know, Fogarty played at the original Woodstock. But to me, like, if you're going to do this, and, you know, there's even callbacks to the original. Oh, wow. It's it's nowhere it's nowhere close to Woodstock, dude. Is it not? <laughs> no. See, I, no, I'm not no, from it's there. Not, it's, so it's, in the middle, it's in the middle of New York State. It is it is nowhere close to Woodstock. Um, <laughs> so I know nothing about Watkins Glen, New York. I mean, that is like that's basically the Finger Lakes. So it's it's a. I mean, let me see. It's got to be a good couple hours from Woodstock. Um, let's just just <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it's it's not it's not it's nowhere close to Woodstock. Uh, Woodstock. Let's just see here. It, <laughs> In more ways than one, it's not even close, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a three-hour and forty-six-minute drive from Woodstock, New York. So, yeah, it's it. Wow, that's that's to me that location is even stranger because it's like it's. I mean, that's a long drive from New York City. Um, let's see, New York, New York. I'm just now. I'm on Google Maps here. Yeah. Sure, yeah, it's sure, yeah. it's a four hour and forty minute drive from New York City. <laughs> uh, so it is close to like Syracuse and Rochester. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know, man. That's 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 a weird ass place to, to have to I mean and the fact that they're calling it Woodstock because it, it's again, it's nowhere close to Woodstock. Wow. Huh. Yeah, and the fact that the fact that the um the what was it the the 25 year one and the 30 year one, like, you know, those ones that aren't really criti- critically acclaimed or anything that weren't that well received when they first happened. Those, those lineups look amazing now in comparison to right. what they're pulling on this one. It's just, it's just, it to me, if you're going to put this together, you go as big as you can. And it's not like they don't have the clout to get these acts. You know, these are, this is the biggest, you know, company, you know, putting on shows in in the world right now. You're telling me they couldn't get Paul McCartney, The Who, yeah. The Stones, Brian Wilson. Like, go for the top shelf, whoever's still alive. Start with that and then bring in people that could actually, you know, hang with these people live and, you know, have a, have a good representation of the new generation 
hell, even the middle generation, there's nothing represented in yeah. any of those things. Yeah, and I any mean, band that's gotten ex- me excited about any any genre in the last 20 years obviously was not even remotely considered for this thing. And I don't know, I'm just having a big get off my lawn moment here, but you know, it's just yeah. it's really boring ass lineup. It, it makes Coachella and, and some of these right. other ones almost look really good by comparison. That's how bad it is. Yeah. Yeah. They, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I'll be curious to see how it does. My prediction is it won't do well, but we shall see. Um, and Robert Plant, by the way, I love so many of his solo records, like Pictures at Eleven, The Principle, Principle of Moments, uh, Now and Zen, even that Manic Nirvana wasn't half bad. All those albums even that he Fated did, Nations was really good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All yeah. that stuff he did, like in that eleven-year span, from like you know what, what eighty-one to ninety-two, ninety-three. Yeah. That stuff was all so good, and I I went to see him live maybe three years ago, and I just went by myself, bought a ticket by myself because I'd never seen Plant live. I sadly, and one of my favorite bands of all time is Led Zeppelin. Never seen Plant live. Went, and it was such a disappointment because he did nothing off of those those records that we just named. Um, it was all weird, like jammy hippie music, and yeah. he did a couple Zeppelin songs, like maybe three or maybe four, and it was like again these like it, weird interpretations of them where they took out any of the coolness and heaviness and <laughs> and yeah. When I say heaviness, I just don't. I'm not just talking about loud guitars. I'm talking about the heaviness of how good the songs were. It was just removed and it turned into these little silly jams. Uh, it was very weird. It was very weird. And with a guy like that, I mean, when you look at like what Bowie did on some of his final tours, where he really came out and just gave uh, a real solid performance of, of some of his greatest works throughout his career. I mean, plant could be doing yeah. something so cool right now. Ro- Roger Waters yeah. too. You know, wh- when I saw him recently, plant could be doing something so freaking cool right now with, yeah. with this amazing catalog of solo and uh, Led Zeppelin material. And he's not, he's just a, a, a it, it was a big, big letdown. I have to admit, um, not yeah. horrible, and he, not horrible, but yeah. I did leave during the encore and was just like, eh. I was up front, and then I was like, man, this is freaking lame. I went back to the bar in the back of the Hammerstein and had a few drinks, and I was like, I'm going to get out of here while I still can. I, I left, like, you know, definitely at the beginning of the encore. Boring. Yeah, and, and yeah, he just he's reverted back to playing psychedelic and folk music exactly how he started. And so I guess he feels like he's being true to himself. And I obviously that's what he wants to do because, you know, even with uh, the, of course, trying to get back with Zeppelin over the years, you know, or them trying to get back with him more so is actually the the, the real uh, statement there. But he holds all the cards and he could easily call the shots in doing that and like literally be like, OK, I'm going to do a whole solo set and then you guys can come out at the end of the night and we can, you know, maybe play some deep Zeppelin cuts or something like that. Like he could have easily done that and still, you know, make it exciting for himself potentially. I've just never understood why he wouldn't do that because it would make well, him look like the man, you know. Yeah, and 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 the whole thing that that I will say, the whole thing about Led Zeppelin, and I will say this in Robert Plant's defense, sure. that 
you know, they did that that O two thing, uh, yeah. and I bought the CD and DVD, and I put the DVD in, and I had to shut it off. I've still never watched the whole thing. And I wow. spent all this money. It was so incredibly horrible to see Jimmy wow. Page just. I don't know if you've seen it, but Jimmy Page cannot play anymore. And on that note, it was it was it was when I saw that I was just like, okay, maybe I get Robert Plant's thing here. You know, maybe yeah. doing something with Page actually is not good for the legacy of Led Zeppelin. Maybe Robert Plant, and I, I'm giving him a lot of credit here, but maybe he's smarter than we think, and he realizes yeah. that that. You can never touch what was done uh, by those guys back in the seventies, and and especially with Jimmy Page's lack of guitar ability, which he lost. I mean, I think when he was in the firm, it, it was already like well on the decline. I I believe Jimmy Page mm-hmm. lost a lot of his guitar playing ability uh, between nineteen eighty and maybe yeah because i know when he did arms the arms festival that he was quite good there still i I believe Mm. um but yeah he lost a lot of his ability between like 80 maybe 81 and 84 85 uh when he disappeared from the public and he never regained that ability uh as far as a guitar player goes and maybe just maybe robert plant has recognized that and in an effort to protect the legacy and maybe even protect page himself has not really uh wanted to do a lot with page of course he did do something with page when they did the the walking into clark clarksdale and they did that tour and stuff but even then it wasn't like full-on like a full-on zeppelin vibe you know yeah it wasn't that well received the album did okay and even the tour just you know it did all right but i think maybe between that tepid reaction and, you know, obviously the thing you mentioned, that's probably why he's never done it. I mean, he definitely comes off as a free spirit slash true artist guy, you know. Right. Because we're all like, man, Robert Plant must really hate money. He's leaving all this money on the table. But, yeah, all those other factors could definitely be a thing. I think some people – and I kind of feel like this way sometimes too. It's like we, we kind of feel abandoned by Robert Plant at times because he just gave up on rock music entirely. You know, and the rock music community is always very like, you know, we need all the help we can get sometimes, especially nowadays. And he's like going in this completely different direction. So I think a lot of people just feel betrayed by that, you know. So, yeah, there's there's those people that just won't do those reunions and they want to stay true to themselves and they want to keep the integrity. I know David Burns, a big uh, uh, supporter of things like that. Yeah. That guy could have made a, a millions of dollars for himself, and he refuses to do it just because he's just one of those guys. I don't want to go backwards. Right, leave I it hear be. You. You know? I hear you. So, and yeah. there's something to be said for that. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I just, I just would love to see Robert Plant get up there and do a rock set where he does some Zeppelin songs, some some songs from his solo career that that yeah. his he's basically just shelved and ignored at this point. And he does them in a rock way instead of making them some jammy, you know, fish esque uh, versions yeah. of, of the songs. Uh, but that's just me. Yeah. It's just me. Yeah. 
And uh, you mentioned Bowie before. Yeah, that last tour, the reality tour. If you can, yeah. uh, if you want to watch a good rock DVD, go get the reality tour DVD because that thing smokes. It's like he knew that that was going to be his last tour. He did almost wow. three hours, and it was this whole history, every hit, every deep Man. cut. You know, well, like you want to hear. I saw him at at the Garden um, when he just, you know, just went song after song after song, yeah. and you know, would hit stuff like suffragette city a song that he for a long time seemed to not want to embrace and he just embraced it and rocked it and it sounded so good you know hats off to david bowie such such a uh just what what a great artist and somebody who i believe also recognized what the fans wanted yeah yeah it's, it's the struggle between art and pleasing your pleasing your fan base you know and i think he rode the wave really well and he finally figured it out after all that time and you know it, it makes us appreciate those uh you know those those veers off into different territories in retrospect it makes us appreciate it more because now it's like okay we understand what you were doing now right on. you know it makes it easier and and i don't see plant having the same kind of reaction in retrospect yeah they're just going to be like, oh, well, he he was embarrassed by half the stuff that he did. That's unfortunate because I like those albums myself, too. Yep, definitely. Definitely. Well, listen, man, I got to wrap it up because I got to go down the street here for uh, a meeting in a few minutes. But I appreciate you getting up early to do this, Joey. And mm-hmm. as always, check out cnjradio.com, right? Yes. And uh, this week on Rock Strikes 10, got... Uh, rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Oh, no, sorry. I, I, I did a show a few years ago where I had Rock and Roll Hall of Famers covering non-Rock and Roll Hall of Famers just to kind of prove the point that those acts should be in there. Uh, but this week I'm doing people that aren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame covering Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, if, if that makes any kind of sense. Cool, so, cool. And yeah. I would like to direct people to my website, which is TalkingRock.net. And also mention we're going to try – bringing back interviews into this uh, podcast. I already have two on the on the books. I got a guy from Billy Joel's band I'm going to be talking to and a guy nice. who was once in the great band Survivor. Uh, I got interviews oh. scheduled for that with those guys that I, I don't think would, would fit on Talking Metal. So I, I think we're going to use those here, if it's okay with you, Joey, on the oh, Talking yeah. Rock podcast. Yeah, the more the merrier. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, I got to run. You have a great day, and uh, let's touch base soon. All right, man. Good show.